Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, um, our first industry leader panel follow-up meeting. Um, obviously, we're following up the, the last panel that we had, which was entitled Canada Reopens Its Borders. What does this mean for the industry? Um, it was a very interesting and involved uh, panel discussion, which I would like to again thank all the attendees uh, and all the panelists for as well. And I'm joined today by one of the panelists, Diego Sanchez, who is the manager of international promotion and marketing for Languages Canada. Um, last time we noticed that a lot of the questions coming in were directed towards Diego. So what we decided to do is have another um, panel today for our uh, discussion today for us to go over uh, more of a broader Q&A. So those who are in attendance would have received um, a form asking for them to submit some questions to us. We're going to look at those questions today. But also, I would like to say that if you've got any other questions, please feel free to put them into the Q&A or into the chat box, and we will do our best to try and address them today as well. Um, so hello, Diego, and welcome to our discussion. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, very glad to see Advisor organizing such a uh, an event. So th this is a very good activity. Uh, so hi, folks. Again, a pleasure to be here with you. As Ben mentioned, uh, we'd like to make this as interactive as we can. So the purpose really is to answer uh, some questions that you might have either as a school or as an agency. So if you haven't submitted the questions uh, before, feel free to do so now. Use the Q&A uh, box uh, to include some of your questions. Uh, we'll try our best to answer all of them. Uh, and uh, yes, so we can get started. Uh, before uh, going into the questions, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that uh, probably everything that we're talking about here is on the website of the Canadian government on IRCC's website. So it's very easy to find it. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot of complexity. Sometimes there's uh, the necessity of uh, interpretation. So that's why we're, we're having this webinar. But the information being conveyed here is available on the website of IRCC. Uh, I don't have all the questions. Actually, nobody does, but I'll make sure I uh, answer to the questions that you have here today. So that's very important uh, to note. Also, today is December 2nd. So what we're talking about applies to today. So the, 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 the rules are changing constantly. So bear in mind, if you're watching this on a recorded version, uh, we're answering questions based on the reality of today, December 2nd, uh, 2020, right? And I don't have uh, the authority to talk about any individual cases, uh, study permits, visa applications of individuals. But obviously, if you have questions from individuals that can be uh, extrapolated and answered to a broader audience, obviously, we'll talk about them. So feel free to send in the questions. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a pleasure to clarify uh, a lot of uh, your concerns. Uh, but we're very happy that uh, Canada can welcome international students. As of October 20th, there are some rules, but Canada is open to international students. Canada is welcoming international students. And the message out there is very clear by the Canadian government. We want the students to come in, obviously respecting all the rules. So if they can do it, they will be very welcome here. 
Fantastic. So should, should, should we start yeah. then? We'll, we'll, we'll jump straight into the questions uh, straight away. Um, and the question we have here is the visa application procedures with, um, related to the current COVID-19 um, requirements as well. Now, I'm actually going to add to that question slightly myself because I'm interested to know, is there actually a difference in the visa procedures and requirements or is it just that there's some adaptations to the COVID-19 rules as well? So the, the application itself, the, the application for a study permit for uh, that will a visa study permit, a visa to allow students to come, the application, the requirements, there's nothing different from from between now and before. Yeah. Like all the documents uh, that students have to send in order to apply for a study permit, they are the same, right? So no changes there. Uh, bear in mind, we're talking about programs that will be, be delivered in Canada. So yeah. we had questions before people saying, what if I have a, a, a program that is 100% online? If it's 100% online and you can watch it from somewhere else, what is the purpose of a visa? There's no need for a, a visa implies someone will be physically yeah, in Canada. To Canada. So they can have a hybrid delivery, right? That's fine. Hybrid delivery, they can be in Canada. Or if they have for the initial, I don't know, maybe the first few months, it will be online. But then after that, there will be an in-person component and that requires a visa. So a visa, we only apply for a visa if there's the intention to physically be in Canada at some point. Yeah. But going back to the question, the application itself, there is no no change. Okay, great, great. Um, now, just a kind of follow-up to that as well, and we've, we've actually had two questions that are very similar uh, in this vein as well. I'm asking, what happens with students that want to study an ASL program for just 12, 20, or 24 weeks? And then uh, another sort of very similar question is a student can a uh, question here. Can a, a student enter if the course is only one month? And can they come with a visitor visa to study English for three to six months? Okay. There's a lot of questions in those two questions. So let me address <laughs> that yeah. in parts. Okay. Uh, so right now, only study permit holders can come to Canada. There are a few additional requirements, but yeah. I'm just talking about the visa, the kind of yeah. document that the student will be coming into the country with. Only study permits, no electronic travel authorizations, i.e. the ETA, no, no temporary resi uh, resident uh, visitor visa, which is the TRV, no. Okay. Which with the TRV, by the way, many people call it the tourist visa. Okay. Uh, okay. No. Right now, nobody can come into Canada uh, for study purposes if they're coming with those documents. So, okay. No. Study permits, yes. If the program is so traditionally, a study permit is only requested when a student is coming to Canada for more than six months, traditionally, right? The Canadian government made it easy for students coming for less than six months to come with an ETA or a TRV. 
So, however, right now, because students cannot come on ETA or TRV, they can come with a study permit and therefore they can apply for a study permit of less than six months. That's perfectly fine. The last panel we had, we, we shared a, uh, a document where we're showing on the, the website of IRCC that it is possible. So if a student is coming for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, less than 24 weeks, less than six months, they can apply for a study permit. But this means they will have to apply as anyone else. So you have to send in the documentation through the IRCC system. You have to show the proof of financial means. You have to book a time to give biometrics. Uh, in some cases, students may need to take a medical exam. That depends on the country. So when they apply, the country uh, from which they're applying, when they're going through the application, the IRC system will tell them everything that they have to do. So it is possible, and we're getting students coming this way, but has to be through a study permit. So this should be very clear. Okay. Um, just I'm just going to touch quickly on someone in the in the chat box has added uh, a comment here um, they, st they still may need the ETA or TRV in addition to their study permit though, correct? That's from Michelle. Yeah, so yeah, that's a good point. So uh, countries you're still applying for a study permit from your home country you're applying for a study permit but the way the study permit is issued depends on the origin of the student I'll give you an example. If a student is coming from ETA-eligible countries like Japan, they will apply for a study permit from their home country. They send everything online. They'll be invited to the biometrics. They'll give their biometrics. After the embassy says, you've been approved. When you're approved, you apply for the ETA online. You get an ETA. So you have a letter from the government of Canada saying this ETA is for your study permit. When they land in Canada, upon arrival, when they talk to a CBSA officer at the airport of entry, that's when they will issue the study permit. Okay. But they have to apply for the study permit anyway. Yeah. So good question. And I hope this, this answers it. Okay, fantastic. We will move on to the next question. Um, and <laughs> interestingly enough, um, this was actually from someone with with uh, concerning Japanese students, and I think that's maybe something important to to mention at the moment as well, Diego. That there's there's kind of variance per market, obviously, as there always is with visa applications and visa procedures. And um, so people may have, you know, different instances in their markets where where the the conditions are slightly different as well. So this question is, our Japanese students are mostly expected to fly to Toronto or Vancouver first and transfer to each city. Is it, is it possible for these students to do 14 days of quarantine in the city where the schools um, that each student applied are instead of Toronto or Vancouver? Or do they have to stay in Toronto and Vancouver to do their quarantine because that's where they first arrived? That's a great question. The student can do their quarantine at the final destination. So let's say the student arrives 
they fly from Tokyo to Vancouver, and then from their school is in Victoria. Then they fly from Vancouver to Victoria in British Columbia. They can do their quarantine in Victoria. That's fine. Actually, we encourage the students to do the quarantine at the final destination. It's important to know that right now, some provinces within Canada are requiring quarantine from people coming from other provinces. So an example is Nova Scotia uh, and Halifax is where we have a lot of schools. So if a student comes from Japan and stops in Toronto and does a quarantine in Toronto, for 14 days. When they go to Halifax, they would need to do another quarantine of 14 days. So we don't want that. So the student can fly from Tokyo to Toronto and then take a domestic connection the same day, fly from Toronto, go to Halifax, do their quarantine there. So very good question and important. Yes, they can do their uh, quarantine at the final destination. But this has to be very clear when they enter the country. They have to inform the Canadian authorities where they're doing their quarantine uh, and, and show proof of if they're staying with a host family or a hotel. Uh, this depends. The, the agencies have to talk with the schools. The schools are helping with the quarantine. It's very important that agencies talk with schools to make sure that the quarantine plan is in compliance with the province of the dest- the province of destination of the student. Don't do quarantine plans without talking with your school if you are an agency. It's very important. Fantastic. Now, that maybe kind of leads on to mentioning the, the, the travel safe corridor as well, Diego. Um, and I wonder if you can maybe comment on that a little. Definitely, Ben. Yes. Thanks for that. So Languages Canada has developed uh, a solution which is called the travel safe. It's the travel safe package, which is a part of the study safe corridor. The Travel Safe is a package that students can acquire prior to coming to Canada. So it's a complete solution. It has a 14-night stay at a very good hotel in many cities across Canada, including three meals a day delivered to the room. There's a private transportation, a, a, a driver coming to the airport to pick up the student. There's a, an insurance policy from GuardMe, our partner, covering the students for 28 days, including anything related to the disease. Uh, and we also have a Canadian SIM card that is shipped to the student's hotel. And the student gets a, a Canadian phone number by email before they even come to Canada because they need all of this. A student needs to have a safe quarantine plan in order to be able to enter Canada. This will be required by the airline when they board and the Canadian official at the CBSA office. Uh, sorry, the CBSA officer at the, the, the border of Canada. 
the, the institutions right now, the, the Canadian, the DLIs, the designated learning institutions in Canada that are authorized to welcome international students have all submitted a plan to the Canadian government, both provincial and federal level. They are committed to having their students comply with the rules imposed by provinces and the federal government. So when a student comes to Canada, they must follow what the school is telling them to follow. That is very important. That's why we have developed this solution. So at the end of the, the webinar, I'm happy to send in writing, uh, uh, Ben, a few links to some of the topics that we're covering, including the study safe corridor, the travel safe package. And the student can book themselves from anywhere in the world. And we send everything by email, like how to prepare, what to bring, what to print down, uh, how to fill in the uh, Arrive Can app, which is mandatory since November 20th. So it's complicated for international students, especially if they don't speak English. So we're giving everything prepared for the student to come and don't have any problems through uh, uh, their entry process. So uh, it's highly recommended if you're interested uh, to have your students go through that they may as well uh, do so uh, through the link that I'll be sharing. It's languageescanada.ca slash travel dash safe, but I'll be sending this uh, by email later on. Thanks, Ben, for the question. No problem. And just to highlight there as well, Advisor will, of course, be sending up a a follow-up to everyone who's attended and everyone who signed up, um, and most likely to everyone who signed up for the the first of the the panels as well, relating to this topic, to make sure that we're passing on as much information as possible as well. From from our point of view as as Advisor, we want to make sure our partners and partner school as are informed as possible, um, and that we get this transfer of information uh, across to you as quickly as possible as well. Actually, I'm going to call out to one of our former panelists, uh, Magda Link, who's uh, submitted a a question in the chat as well. Uh, Thanks, Magda, for your question uh, and for your attendance last time as well. So Magda's question is, if a student uh, submits a letter of acceptance that is less than six months with all the required documents, will the officer return and suggest to use an ETA or TRV? Hi, Magda. That's a good question. they might, so the, the, the officer, the IRCC officer, may want to understand why a study permit for less than six months. So my recommendation is that when the student applies, uh, the student should include a letter, a one-page a one page letter saying, I am aware that I could come on an ETA. However, I am applying for a study permit because I understand the Canadian government only allows study permit holders to come into the country. Therefore, I'm applying for the LOA. It's very simple. The officer will understand. And every IRCC officer must process the application of study permits of less than six months. It is on the uh, instructions of the IRCC uh, uh, website, they must process it. I'm not saying they must approve it. They must process it. Okay, fantastic. Um, Now, I'm going to go on to a question that's been put in the chat box, but was also sent through to us previously as well um, from Eliana. Um, And this question, it says, and now, 
hopefully this isn't too specific, Diego, but we'll, we'll call this a hypothetical situation. Um, a visa that was approved before the border closure for a study period of four months, in brackets, tourist visa, is the student allowed to enter Canada? Through conversations with the manager of a Canadian institution, we've had the same situation with other students. They bought their air tickets after October the 20th, 2020, and did not let them enter Canada. Um, now, I don't know whether that's too specific, but could you maybe no. comment on that? Yeah, sure. It's a good question. The answer is no, because that's a tourist visa. They cannot come. They have to have a study permit. In this case, what I suggest is that the student writes to the embassy. I don't know what embassy this person, I'm assuming, let's say it's in Latin America, let's say it's in Colombia. So the student should send an email to the IRCC office in Bogota, in Colombia, explaining the situation, include the, the unique application number, uh, say this is the fees I've been uh, uh, approved for, however, I'd like to go on a study permit. Uh, so maybe they will request that they apply again, this time for study permits, but the good thing is that they will no longer need a biometric uh, visit if they have already uh, given their biometrics. Biometrics are valid for 10 years. So the student has to write to the embassy. I, this is a good question, although specific, a lot of students are going through the same. So write to the embassy, ask them what should the student do. Maybe they will have to apply for a, a new study permit with an updated LOA uh, but usually these um, applications are treated a little bit faster because there was an approval in the past already. But they'll still analyze everything again, obviously. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, just to let everyone know, I am uh, originally trying to go through the questions submitted before today. Um, and, and, and given the preference to them, but we are going to try and get to everyone's questions. I can see them coming in uh, readily on the Q&A as well. But we have got a couple of people who have sent um, similar uh, questions in or sometimes the same question. Uh, you may have submitted them previously as, as well. Um, now, we have a short form of this question, um, which is, do international students qualify for the test pilot project for a shorter quarantine out of Calgary Airport? Now, that question's also come in in the comments uh, from uh, Jazz or Yaz. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that, um, which is essentially the same question. And it's mentioning that the, the stipulation is that students normally cannot have a stopover at a domestic airport um, when they're traveling direct. So they have to travel directly into Calgary. Um, and the question here is whether they had a stopover outside of Canada. So, for example, Paris, Amsterdam, Calgary. Um, would that um, you know, still qualify for that test pilot program? Great question. Uh, yes. And, and thank you for that. So just for those that are not aware of this, uh, right now, there is a pilot project uh, that is being operated in partnership between the government of Alberta and the federal government of Canada, whereby international travelers coming into the Calgary International Airport may participate in this pilot project, which requires a test upon arrival. Uh, the person has to quarantine for two days, 48 hours. If the test comes back negative, uh, the person doesn't have to do the quarantine. But there are other uh, uh, requirements. For instance, the person should not be going into any public areas with a lot of people. So. Uh, we can send the information by email uh, through advisor after this with all the requirements. But yes, an international student 
may qualify for this, but the ultimate decision rely, uh, depends on the CBSA officer at the Calgary International Airport. Uh, the student may say, I would like to take part in the pilot project, but the Canadian government will say, yes, you can participate or no. It, it doesn't, it's not up to the passenger. That being said, this is only for international flights getting into Canada, into Calgary. If you arrive in Toronto, move to Calgary, no. Right now, as of December 2nd, there are five international flights into Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. There's one from Amsterdam, and there are four from the U.S., uh, Los Angeles, Dallas, Denver, and Minneapolis, if I'm not mistaken. So if the student is arriving from an international flight into Calgary, yes, they may be eligible. With uh, flying from M Amsterdam, if I'm not mistaken, KLM has 100 connections around the world. People can connect in Amsterdam and fly to Calgary. If they come on that flight, yes, they're eligible. But the student still needs a plan for a quarantine of 14 days when coming into Calgary. It's very important. They come with the plan. If they're allowed to participate into the project, the pilot project, good. Uh, they can move around and respecting all the rules after the second day. If they come negative and so on, you have to look into all the details. But a quarantine plan is mandatory because if the Canadian government says no, they have to be able to show that they can do the quarantine. So good question. Thank, thanks for that. Perfect. Now I'm going to go on to the, the next question here, which has also been mentioned in the in the chat by R Ricardo um, as well. And the, there's actually two parts to the question we've received um, in, in, in previous to, to today. Many VACs in countries such as Brazil are still closed. So how can we help language students to plan to get their study permit and travel if they are not sure when they will be able to take their biometrics to complete the process? And the second part of this question, uh, which I'm just going to add in here before you jump in, <laughs> Diego, is when can we expect ETAs and visitor visas to be accepted again for short-term student entry into Canada? It says within six months or within 12 months, hopefully. Um, so I'll, I'll now let you answer that. <laughs> Thanks, for That's a million-dollar question. I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh but we have reason to believe it would take a few months. So if a student really wants to come, just apply for the study permit. Better be safe than sorry, okay? Uh, we honestly don't know. There is no sign that the Canadian government will allow ETAs yet. Uh, Languages Canada, as an association, as a national association, advocates on behalf of its members. And we are communicating with IRCC and CBSA. We'd like to propose solutions that are safe that would allow students to come on ETAs, but it doesn't depend on us. So right now, what is safe, apply for a study permit. Now, with the visa application centers, the VAX being closed in markets such as Brazil and Mexico, which are top sending country, uh, countries to um, language, Languages Canada member programs. It's true, those VACs are closed right now, but we are in communication with the government uh, requesting information on when will they 
open and they will open at some point. So what students can do is start their application now. Start the, v, the study permit application. It's online. You don't need a visa application center to do it. You do it online, starts filling out the forms, sending all the documents that you need. That you can do now. When the visa application center opens, you book your time and then you will give your biometrics. I understand it's challenging because you don't know for when, like when should the student book, like, right? I, I understand you have a LOA, a letter of acceptance. So try to communicate with the school and be as flexible as you can. So you have a, a, an entry date that is flexible. Most of Languages Canada members have courses starting either once a month or once a week sometimes. So flexibility is the name of the game right now. Uh, keep that in mind. And when the, 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 the invitation to go give the biometric comes, at that time, the agency and the school can talk again and uh, uh, see how, when will be the realistic date for, for the students to come. One important thing, the flights are operating. There's a lot of flights coming into Canada. That shouldn't be a problem. So start now. Uh, and if I may add, Ben. Yeah, please do. Uh, a lot of, so the VAC in, in Buenos Aires is opening. In Santiago, it's opening, Chile. In Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, they're open. In Panama, they're open. So as of today, December 2nd, 2020, we have 115 VACs open around the world. There are 161 VACs in total. So slightly above two thirds are open right now. If a student really wants to, to come to Canada as soon as they can, they can fly to another country and give their biometrics there. If they have the invitation from the government to give biometrics, and let's say they live in Mexico, they can fly to the US, they can fly to Guatemala, they can fly to Panama, where a VAC is open and they can give their biometrics. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, I am somewhat going to amalgamate three questions together here because we've had three questions on a, on a very similar topic here uh, as well. And it, it, it's an interesting one as well. So the question that we received before the panel was, in general, I understand that the 14-day quarantine period is provided before the start of the ESL program. But is it possible to have a 14-day quarantine period during the first two weeks of the ESL program and take the classes online? Um, now, we were also discussing hybrid programs earlier, and during that, uh, someone has uh, added a question into the Q&A um, saying that it sounds like language schools are now offering full virtual programs and or full in-person programs. Uh, should they also offer hybrid programs with in-person requirements for advanced courses? Is there any advice on adapting our letter of acceptances for these hybrid programs? Um, now, the slightly different questions, but around the same topic of, of, yeah. of hybrid programs there. Sure. Thanks, Ben, and thanks, everyone. Really, the questions are very good. I really like this format. It, it's, you know, we really want to get things done, and I really like it. Very pragmatic. So, yes, uh, 
Language Canada members, I know they've been encouraging. Actually, they are giving online courses to students while they're in quarantine. Two weeks in quarantine alone, that's not easy, right? So if the student can take uh, ESL courses for four or five hours uh, throughout their quarantine period, that's amazing because they already start uh, to get engaged with the teacher and uh, their peers. This decision depends on the school you're working with. From my understanding, most of our members are doing this already. So yes, that's highly encouraged. And schools should be in touch with students during quarantine. Like they, they should check on the students. That's important. Now, uh, talking about the hybrid uh, delivery. Um, on the letter of acceptance, the LOA, so institutions, Canadian institutions, uh, should, it's a good thing, to either put on the LOA or as an additional letter, uh, uh, text saying that how will the course be delivered if it's hybrid, it's full in person, uh, and, in, and state that it is essential that the international student be in Canada for that program. That's important. That's important also for IRCC officers to understand when the student is applying for a visa. It's important for the CBSA officer at the port of entry at the Canadian airport to understand, right? We always have to remind ourselves that these students are coming here to learn English or French, so they might not know English very well. So having everything in writing is very important and will help. Uh, so yes, feel free to adapt the letter to the reality of how you're delivering the, the program. Are, just out of interest, Diego, are there any minimum requirements for a hybrid program? For example, um, someone's asked actually, could a student take two months virtually then, but then request a study permit for one month of in-person studies? Are there any sort of regulations or any um, sort of requirements around uh, hybrid programs like that? No, unfortunately, there's nothing read, uh, in writing. And, and it really, we really have to use our reason. Like It has to be reasonable. It has to make sense. Right. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> if someone is coming to Canada for one week of a program, I don't know, that is in person and many weeks online. Diego, so it, we possibly lost you there for a second. Oh, uh, or we've lost me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we lost you for a sec, Ben. Sorry, so, there. <laughs> no worries. So we're saying we just ha it just has to be reasonable. It has to make sense. Right. Uh, the student has to explain the, the Canadian government when they're analyzing the, the application. They have to understand what's the real purpose of this. Why is the student coming for this short of a period? Like if everything makes sense, it's in writing, well explained, it should be okay. So let's be reasonable. Okay. Um, now we've actually just had a, a comment there from Nayeen Kim. Um, who I, I think we've maybe answered the question already, but it's maybe worth highlighting again. And she's asked, if the school offers the programs only online, would it be possible for that student might not get a study permit? Technically, the student does not need to be in Canada to take an online course. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier already that the, the, obviously the, the purpose of the study permit is for someone who is intending to travel to Canada and take a course. Yeah, and, and for that, I highly encourage you to talk with the institution, the Canadian institution. They will give you more information. Th this is very subjective. There's a lot of nuances here, 
right? So if we go back to uh, a few months back, the Canadian government was actually approving uh, study permits for uh, uh, students that were following a course from abroad. They were giving, but because there was the perspective of coming to Canada, this is a very particular case. So in, in this particular case, you need to talk with the DLI, your Canadian partner, to understand like what is the program, you know, the, the full duration, the length, uh, what, what is the certificate or diploma at the end. Like if that requires a visa study permit, then maybe, yes. But because it's a specific case, I can't speak yeah. to it in detail unfortunately okay. that that's all good thank you thank you for that that update as well and um, just a, a quick thing as well to everyone obviously please do keep sending all your questions in even if we've answered them already we're happy to, to answer them again and to answer a question that i was asked um, by dorothy in the q a as well there is a recording uh, being made of this uh, this discussion and it will be sent out to everyone as well so you can you can re-watch it at your leisure um, or, or send it around your teams as well so that they can get these updates for the questions that we're answering as well um, which I will again just highlight for, for Diego's benefit again is relevant as of today 2nd of December it is of course a, a moving situation and an evolving situation as well um, I am going to try and fire through a couple of the Q&A questions, hopefully, um, so that we can try and make sure that we attend it, get to everyone's. Uh, Fernanda has asked, asked us the question, after the 14-day quarantine, do they have to have the COVID test? In Ontario, yes. So if the student is going to an Ontario DLI, yes. You have to talk with the school the school will let you know how to book the test. The test is free. Uh, it, it is offered by the, the Ministry of Health of Ontario. But yes, it is a requirement. So talk with the school in Ontario. They'll let you know about the details. Okay. Um, now, we've had a couple of questions about the, the DLI list and actually an interesting one because this has actually come up uh, in the past couple of weeks since the Canada panel uh, for me here at Advisor as well. Um, so this question is from Asta, where she said, that we're a language school in Quebec. Do you know what international students who apply through partnership schools will have to do to be able to enter Canada? Keeping in mind the issue with study permit and the vocational schools, we are using uh, a, another college as their de for their designated school number. Yeah, in that case, uh, Ashta, that's very specific for our private schools, Languages Canada schools in Quebec. So I invite you to send me a, 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 an email. We will have actually a meeting to discuss that. That's very, very specific. So it's been slightly more complicated. So we will internally talk about this. Uh, so yes, I'm sorry I can answer here. Uh, it would take probably the whole hour of the <laughs> webinar. But we will address this separately. But thank you so much. Very important question. Fantastic as well. Uh, Ashta, I think you've also asked another question specifically about uh, Languages Canada as well. So I think Diego will most likely reach out and follow up with you after the, 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 the webinar today to, to catch up as well. Um, okay, here's a, a great question from Peter as well. How often is the list of reopened designated learning institutions updated? Every two weeks. So the last update was yesterday, December 1st. 
so in two weeks from now, you should you should see it on the the, the website of IRCC, and it it's actually written there. Next update, uh, December. 15, uh, 16th or 15th. Uh, I have to double check if it's every two weeks or every 15 days, if I'm not mistaken, every uh, two weeks. Uh, so yeah, in about two weeks. Yesterday, we just got uh, a new batch of uh, DLIs. Okay, fantastic. Uh, we also have a, a question here from Pablo um, asking, Diego, could you please explain a little more if the ETA will work for high school students who found some problems in the page to request a study permit? Uh, I, Pablo, I think you're talking about courses of less than six months. Uh, they should apply for a study permit, not an ETA. Uh and after they get a response for the study permit, and I am assuming you're Pablo from Chile, uh, they should apply for the ETA uh, so they can fly to Canada and get their study permit upon arrival in Canada. That's Chile is an ETA eligible country, so it's Mexico. So the, and so are most Western European countries, Taiwan, Japan, and Korea, and a few others, Singapore. <laughs> Uh, but they have to apply for a study permit. Have to apply for a study permit. Okay, that's important. After they apply for the study permit, they'll be invited to do the ETA specific for Chile, and that's all done online. I hope it, it answers the question. Uh, if not, I'm also including some uh, language on the follow-up uh, uh, communication that's going through Advisor, uh, specifically uh, explaining how to navigate the IRCC website for study permits of less than six months. Okay, fantastic. Um, this is quite another interesting question I've got to say, and one that, that, that's crept up for me in the past couple of weeks as well, um, when speaking to schools who are awaiting their DLI or being awaiting to arrive on the list of DLIs here. Can a student apply for a study permit at an institution which is DLI approved, but which is not yet on the DLI approved quarantine list? Of the problem. Yes, yes, they can. Yeah, nothing is stopping uh, uh, IRCC to process those those uh, study permit applications. Yes, you don't have to wait for the DLI to be on that list. You can have your student apply immediately. Once the DLI is on the list of approved institutions, that's when the student can travel. Uh, obviously, after they get their study permit as well, but applying, nothing stops them. Go ahead, start the application. Okay, fantastic. Now, we've also had a couple of questions um, specifically regarding Quebec province. Um, and should a student apply for the CAQ also if they're going to study for less than six months? Yes, they have to. In Quebec, study permits, this is only in Quebec. In order for a study permit to be issued, a student needs to apply for a Certificat d'Acceptation du Québec, a CAQ, that's part of the study permit application. So yes, the student has to apply for a CAQ um, before they get their study permit, okay. even if it's for less than six months. Even if it's and again, I encourage the student to include a letter explaining 
I am only applying for a CAQ for less than six months because the Canadian government will only allow study permit holders to come. In order to get a study permit, I need a CAQ. It's all very logical, right? So information is key. The Canadian government usually doesn't interview, you know, they don't interview the students. They analyze the study permit applications by what they see. It's the documents that your students sent. They don't have a crystal ball. They don't know what you're thinking. You have to put things in writing. It has to be clear. It has to make sense. It has to be organized. And if that's all in there and the student is eligible, they will get their permits. But it's important that the application comes in a very organized fashion. Okay, fantastic. And uh, we also have another question from from Martha um, that that came in earlier. And so we have a student with a Spanish and Colombian nationality, so dual nationality. Could he travel with his Spanish passport to study in Canada? What would be the process for a student like this with dual nationality? Um, Because they understand that Spaniards can travel for up to six months of study without a visa. Martha, so in normal circumstances, yes, they could come with a Spanish passport because they would only need the ETA. But right now, any student coming to Canada, they will need a study permit. So that doesn't matter right now if it's the Spanish or the Colombian passport. They need a study permit. So in that case, they can choose if, if he wants to use the Spaniard or the Colombian passport. It doesn't matter, but there will be a study permit request. Brilliant. We've also we've got a couple of actually visa-based sort of questions here that I'm, I'm going to throw in here at the moment, Diego, as well. Um, so one of the questions here is the quarantine plan. Is it allowed to take with, are the students allowed to take with them relatives or if the student is a couple to, to bring the other half of their other half with them? Uh, is this the decision of the school or is this dependent, is there a visa implication here? So for the quarantine, that's an excellent question. Again, I have to ask the agency to talk with the partner school, and I'll tell you why. There is the Quarantine Act. This is on the website of the Canadian government. It's federal. However, each province has some additional requirements. There's a difference when it comes to quarantine for international students. So this depends on the province. For instance, in Nova Scotia, we know that quarantine is only allowed in hotels, not allowed in residences. That's for language schools. Sorry, important to to make that uh, precision. In some uh, uh, um, provinces, they they ask if there's anyone who is uh, an elderly person in the in the household. They, so in that case, they might not do their quarantine there. I know it sounds complicated, complicated, and I am not answering the question. So that's why it's important you talk with your partner school in Canada and ask about their specific rules for their uh, uh, province. But in some provinces, yes, it is possible to quarantine in the house of uh, in a homestay, in your family. Uh, 
So yeah, unfortunately, this is a specific case to a specific province, but it's important that you know, right? You want to be able to tell your students how to, to prepare. So talk with the school. Your school is the point. It's the to go uh, uh, um, uh, uh, person. Point of contact. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think that's um, something that is so key, you know, at this current time as well, is obviously making sure that we are in as much communication with your partners as possible to get the best um, and most accurate and up-to-date information from them as well. Um, obviously, everyone is adapting and changing from a school's point of view to the changing rules and to the changing landscape of things. And as, um, you know, from, from our point of view, we see some great work by all our partners from Advisor, all our partner schools and our partner agencies to keep up that contact and maintain you know that communication which is so key to the business relationship as well and to, to helping push things forward in a positive light as well um, now a, a quick question here is are there any higher rates of visa refusals for students in Canada are those applications running smoothly generally speaking I know that's quite a broad question there Diego but but maybe you could comment on that yeah it, it, it's a good question so no visas no study permit applications will occur because of a pandemic okay this has nothing to do with the the eligibility of a student to get a, a study permit okay this is this is false so what's important to understand however is that ircc held on a lot of applications uh throughout the the last few months Remember that the, 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 the exemption for international students to come into Canada only entered into force on October 20th, right? That's less than two months ago. So a lot of study permit applications were held there. After the Canadian government announced the exemption, many study permits were then issued. Okay, uh, but there is nothing that suggests that the the refusal rates are going up. In fact, we have information from IRCC, uh, so the the level of approval is fairly similar to what we had in two thousand nineteen. No one will be denied a visa because of a pandemic. Okay, this is not being considered when an application is sent into to the Canadian government. So you don't have to worry about this. Worry about the application itself. If it makes sense, the student, the purpose, if they, you know, have the means to pay. All, all of the pre-pandemic reality for uh, um, for an application. That's what matters right now. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, Ricardo has sent a, just another follow-up to his his question again, just again highlighting, I think, to, specifically for Brazilian students um, in terms of uh, applying for a study permit in the country of origin, given the biometrics, then applying for an ETA, travel to Canada, starting to study and waiting for the study permit approval in Canada. Is that possible for Brazilian students? So, Ricardo, uh, a precision. The study permit is a document that is issued at the border. So when the student arrives at the border, that's when the study permit will be actually issued, like printed. It's a document that, study, that says study permit. So it will be upon arrival, the student will not be able to enter Canada without the study permit. So 
if they've been approved to travel to Canada, once they arrive, they will have the study permit and that's it. Solved. Problem solved. Okay. Um, now we've just had that fantastic. Thank you for that, uh, Diego. Um, now we've just had, I was leaving what I thought was going to be the, the most difficult question to the end. Um, but now we've had another one in from Wendy, which I think is a really interesting question um, to, to, to focus on here as well. Um, now this is obviously specific to on, Ontario, I believe, but it may well be similar in some other provinces as well. With the Ontario requirement of testing at day 14, um, that technically means that the students will do 14 days quarantine and then have to wait potentially another two to five days for their test results. So it could be effectively up to 19, maybe 20 days um, of quarantine for the students as well. Um, she's asked, how are Languages Canada or schools handling this? Um, Thank you, Wendy. Uh, so that's actually an excellent question. We're still seeking uh, some clarification from the Ontario government. When they first announced the, the test as being mandatory, uh, they announced it uh, between day 7 and 14. Uh, so we're still clarifying this question. It is an important one. However, I cannot respond this as of now. Uh, but it is, it is important that if the students are coming to Ontario, they should plan those additional maybe two or three days for the results to be um, announced. But the requirement for Ontario is 14 days of quarantine plus a test. So I'm sorry I can't answer to, the, to your question. It is a very important one, but we're still seeking clarification uh, as, yeah, it's just not, yeah. it's, I, I simply don't have the question yet, but yeah. thank you when we're, we're working on it. Yeah. Um, now, kind of related to that as well, Eliana has asked, is the COVID test free in Calgary? Um, and I think what I, I would maybe answer this question just briefly by saying, I think the best idea is to contact your partner schools who will have the most up-to-date information in your province, in their province as well. Um, so they'll be able to keep you updated on that and making sure that um, you, you're passed on the, the most relevant information at the time um, it's given. Obviously, as I say, this is a continually moving uh, situation um, in Canada and, and around the world indeed for, for everyone. Um, so I think it's very key to, to point out that the information may be accurate as of today, 2nd of December, but if you're watching this on a recording, that may well be different um, in the next couple of days, depending on um, what other authorities decide to do as well. Um, now, uh, another two questions here as well. Um, th th this one's quite interesting because it's actually been, it's come up a couple of times as well. And I think it came up in our last uh, panel discussion as well. I think I somewhat threw Magda under the bus by directing this to her when it, when it came in. Um, but it's a t in, in relation to summer camps and what will happen for next year. Um, do you know what will happen to summer camps? Has there been any development since the panel discussion on, on those rules as well? Um, now it's got in bracket here from three to six weeks. And I think that's obviously because it, previously everyone was looking at the two-week quarantine period as well. Yeah, so we the, the, the summer camps, I'm assuming students will usually come on an ETA if they're from an ETA-eligible country or they'll come on a TRV if they're from a non-ETA-eligible uh, country. Um, there is nothing, no updates that we know of. And if the students plan on coming for a study permit, sorry, for a summer camp, 
the recommendation right now is that they apply for a study permit. Even if it's three to six weeks, it doesn't matter. They can still apply for the study permit and they should explain why they're applying for a study permit of less than six months. So that's a recommendation right now. It may change, but it's a matter of the student. I mean, if the student really wants to come, apply now, start now with the study permit application. If they want to bet on a change, they might, but we have no sign of uh, ETA holders being allowed into Canada yet. So this is a personal choice. Uh, okay. Um, Silvana has come in with a quite an interesting question as well. Can a student um, in the, the middle of the visa application process defer, defer the start date of their course without affecting the visa process? Oh, well, I'm not quite sure about what you mean, uh, Silvana. Uh, if they want to defer the start of the course, they should tell IRCC. They should send an email to IRCC with a new letter of acceptance for a new start. This is important. Uh, so you have to keep the Canadian government uh, informed of your decisions. If you send the documentation for a specific start date, <clears throat> that's because you plan on going on that start date. It's okay to change your mind, but you have to inform the Canadian government because they'll process the visa based on what you submitted in the first place, if you're changing, let them know. They'll give you the indication. Diego, can I just ask there, is that then a case, this is maybe a situation that is kind of the same with or without COVID? Because that would be the process normally, to, that if you were deciding to change your dates, you would have to submit you know, updated letters of acceptance and different things like that to the IRCC, if that was the case. Yes, yes. That would be also the case. It's always important. The government has to understand, like any visa application, that's very important. A visa application has a lot of elements uh, that are considered by the Canadian government when they're analyzing it. So I'll give you one quick example. So when someone is applying for a program, they have a job, they have saved, and they, they have the means to pay for, I don't know, a year of a program. If they lose their job, and they're applying again in, in three or four months, their ability to pay for their course may be different. It's a different reality, even though if it's the same person. So you have to inform the Canadian government because when you send in a study permit application, you're telling the Canadian government that you can meet all the requirements. So you are saying this when you check the boxes, when you sign, you're telling the Canadian government that this is your real situation. You have to respect that. Providing false information uh, can have serious consequences. So if you're changing your plans, tell the Canadian government so they can process the visa according to this new reality. Very, very important. The rules by IRCC are very clear. When you read the forms, everything is there. Okay. Fantastic. 
Um, now, just to let everyone know, um, I think Diego and I are, of course, happy to stay on for an extra couple of questions, but we are now at that hour point. So I'm just going to ask and, and, and mention that um, any questions that come in from now on may not be answered, but we're going to try and we've got three three left currently in the Q&A. Um, one is maybe slightly more a statement than a question, which is for colleges, a visa is necessary to start, um, which I think you've possibly covered already, Diego. Yeah, I- I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is you telling that your college partner is telling you that the student needs a visa to start. If they're telling you, yes, it's true. You have to follow what the college is telling you. So the student may need to, to wait until they get a visa to start the program. That's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, and once again, from another autonomous, uh, anonymous attendee, um, what does the application procedure look like for students who are planning to travel to Canada with their family? Can they also bring them as dependents on the study permit and who is responsible for the quarantine plan? I think we've maybe answered this question already, but Diego, if you just want to go over uh, that once more. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very, uh, that's a tough question. It, it, it is possible, but uh, I have to uh, double check uh, on the IRCC website. Uh, before uh, I, I respond, so I, I prefer not to respond it. But it it is possible, but there is certain uh, elements that have to be considered. Uh, again, if you need a response that is faster, talk with your partner school with your DLI. They can help you find information on uh, the IRCC's website. There's language there. It is possible, but we have to look into the details. This is a, a, more, a slightly more complicated uh, situation. Okay, and we're down now to our last question. Um, and it is from Alex asking, is the LC Study Safe Corridor initiative mandatory for international students coming into Canada for language programs? No, no, it's not mandatory. It's an initiative that we have developed and we made it available to our members, even non-LC members. But what is very important that you as an agency do is that you should talk with your partner school, with your DLI. Do not make plans for quarantine for your students without communicating and consulting with your partner schools. Your partner schools that are currently on the DLI list of approved institutions, they only got the approval to welcome international students because they informed the Canadian authorities how to handle quarantine for students. Do not send students without talking with your DLI partner. You may da damage the reputation of your partner and of your agency because schools talk with one another. Do not do this, please. It's very important. The Canadian government has made a lot of flexible they, they made our lives easier because they're being flexible. Some countries simply said no international students and that's it. We are able to welcome international students, but they have to come in a secure and orderly way. Please don't send students before you talk with your DLIs. This is very important. And perhaps, Ben, that's the most important message I have on the, this webinar talk with your partner a partner is a partner they should be aware of what you're doing do not do something that will hurt your reputation reputation and that of your partner fantastic 
Right, Diego, thank you very much um, for attending today and for answering all those questions. I think, obviously, from my point of view, I'd just like to add a massive thanks to everyone who's attended and submitted questions as well. We hope that this has really helped with uh, some additional information. And of course, we will be sending up some follow-up emails and a recording of this as well. I think the other key message from advisor, of course, uh, is that yes, connect with your partners, definitely get in touch with each other, stay in touch, use advisor to get your quotations and send your bookings as well. But also I would say the other key message here is that Canada is open. There are routes into Canada for study and that you can continue to send students there. And as schools, you can continue to welcome students with the right things in place as well. And um, so Diego, if there's any last comments you'd like to add. Thanks again for the invitation, uh, Ben. Great initiative by Advisor. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. So thank you, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you might be. And we'll hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.